Today, you'll see me having some real struggles with my headset. You no, know, all of that's going to get cut out. No, I, all that's gonna get I cut feel like out. people should see the struggle. That... No, 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 too much. It was too much. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Suba. Hi, I'm Janae Sharp with Sharp Conversations. We're super excited to have Dr. Paul Deschant here. Is it Paul Deschant or Paul Deschant? I answer to anything, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, talking to us about his extensive work in the area around burnout. I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, Dr. Deschant. <laughs> Thanks, Suba. And I am so grateful to be connecting here on this podcast with both of you. I've gotten to know both of you over the last few years, and I'm so impressed with the work that you each do in this field. My work focuses on advising health system leaders on how they can best fix the workplace, not fix the worker, because we know that the problem with burnout lies in the workplace and the drivers of burnout that are there. It's, it's not a question of a lack of resilience. Uh, health, you know, healthcare workers, particularly physicians, are some of the most resilient people in the world. There's literature that demonstrates that. Anybody who's been through medical school and residency knows it in their heart. Um, so. Really, there's so many opportunities, though, to fix the way workflows are so that we can spend the majority of our time focused on doing what's meaningful to us, connecting to patients, doing procedures that make a difference in people's lives, educating uh, people who are coming up through the ranks, working on research and innovation to improve healthcare. Those are the things that are meaningful to us. The challenge is we often only spend about a third of our time focused on meaningful things, two-thirds are two-thirds of our time caught up in administrivia, data entry, other things that interfere with that. So my work focuses on fixing that, as well as uh, addressing the culture in health systems as well, creating a management system and culture by which the fantastic knowledge workers that doctors and nurses are can actually use that knowledge work, become empowered to address problems and fix problems, and do it in a way where everyone's aligned around helping the, the entire enterprise. I have not heard that term knowledge worker before, but I really like that. The definition of a knowledge worker, Peter Drucker is a famous uh, management consultant. He defined a knowledge worker as somebody who does work that they're they know better than their manager does. Oh, that's fascinating. Even as a, I'm a family physician, I became a CEO of a 300 physician group. My knowledge workers, you know, I couldn't tell the neurosurgeon how to do their job. There's no way. So it's all a matter of how do you work with with people who are brilliant, who are doing great stuff, and give them the support they need so that they can do that work well. I would love if you could share something that you think has worked really well. Sure. One of the best things actually that we're seeing is a daily huddle. And a lot of people say, oh yeah, we do a huddle. You know, that's okay, Don't. that's not gonna make any difference. It didn't really help us at all. But the huddle has to be constructed in a specific way to truly make a difference. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. Just really background on, on burnout. You know, burnout is exhaustion and cynicism and a sense of inefficacy. And what Maslach showed was there are six drivers of burnout. The first being work overload. You know, there's just too much to do. It's a chaotic work environment. Second is lack of control, particularly when we're overloaded and we need to be able to take control. That's what knowledge workers do. They know what to do. They should have that control. Third is insufficient reward, which is uh, very common. You know, and we're very harsh on each other in healthcare compared to some other industries where coworkers actually are very supportive. And we're very supportive of our patients, but quite often within a health system uh, or even within an office, people can be hard on each other. I've never uh, seen it. Fourth driver, <laughs> next one is breakdown of community. 
when we can't connect with each other well. And we really, you know, doctors and nurses are great people. We love to hang out with each other, but there's so little opportunity for that these days. Uh, next is absence of fairness. Uh, and there's many ways that there, that happens. But basically, if, if you are not being treated the same way that your coworkers are being treated, uh, or, you know, very commonly now, and it's hard for me to talk about as an older white gentleman, I don't, I haven't been in situations where I've been, my quality, my uh, competence has been questioned on, based on things I have no control over, like my gender, the color of my skin, my country of origin. Um, but so many people in the healthcare workforce deal with that on a daily basis. Uh, and then lastly is, um, is conflicting values. Do my values really align with the values of the organization? So those are the drivers. Within a huddle, if we, a huddle should never be more than 15 minutes because we can't take away from the time we're taking care of patients. But if we start that off right, it makes the rest of the day go so much better and actually enhances every other interaction. Well, that's have. a good point. Starts it can't be all day. Minutes. Oh, no. You know, we've got to, and, and learning how to do huddles well, sometimes you, know, you may not get through it completely, but that's all right. You're starting, you're learning. By the end of it, you'll, you'll be able to get through all the steps. First step we, I like to see is actually some reward and recognition. Who did something good yesterday that really helped out? Let's acknowledge that person and thank them. You don't have to get everybody every day. That, that's not, that's, that would take more than the 15 minutes probably yeah. right there. So it's, it's more a matter of something that's really meaningful that happened that you want to thank someone for. Um, and it shouldn't really take more than about a minute of that 15 minutes. Secondly is planning for the day. What's the demand on us compared to the resources? Uh, more time gets spent on preparing for the day. Do we have the resources? to handle the demand that's coming at us today. Do we have the staff we need? Do we have the supplies? Is the equipment here and is it working? Uh, and if it's not, then we know at the start of the day so we can develop contingencies rather than get uh, surprised by it in the middle of the day and have to really right. scramble. Uh, the next step is to fix little problems. What things went wrong yesterday that you don't wanna keep having go wrong? And they drive you nuts when they first happen. You know, you go to a place where you're supposed to get a supply and it's not there or the, the printer's out of paper, or something isn't working. And you know, I, those would drive me so crazy, I'd swear I'd never gonna let that happen again. By the end of the day, I was so exhausted, I forgot about it, and it didn't come up again until a week later, it happened again. Um, by taking those when they happen, you don't have to solve them at the moment, but you just make a note that we're gonna talk about it at the huddle tomorrow, probably put a note on the board or something like that. And then the team can decide in that huddle, well, is this a big enough issue we wanna work on it? And if so, who's gonna do it? A couple of people will go work on it, come back a week later with some solution. Those little problems, we call them pebbles in your shoe. The more you take those out, the easier it is to walk through your job and get, get right. things done. And then lastly, looking at metrics. What are the systems metrics that they pay attention to? And every health system has focus on quality, safety, patient experience, access, productivity, uh, you know, financial stability, and, uh, and the experience of the, the workers as well. And so looking at what do we do at the front end that impacts those outcome metrics? And oftentimes at the front end in the huddle, we're looking at something that's more of a process metric. How are, you know, are we doing things properly? You know, are, is there something we can do differently in terms of taking care of a patient, in terms of um, doing a schedule and tr just tracking those things? And from that, then we start to see improvement in the metrics overall. And that, that's basically it. Uh, the leader, of the unit also, as they're seeing all of these happen, then they can follow up throughout the day with everybody in the unit, check in with them and make sure that what was brought up is being handled properly. But yeah, it's acknowledgement, preparing for the day, fixing small problems and 
tracking to metrics? You know, what's really interesting, it's very similar to the Scrum methodology when you're doing agile development. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yes. And we do it at a visual management board. You know, if it's in a unit where everybody's together, it can just be a board on a wall. Um, and it's very structured with all those key components. Uh, but you can also do huddles virtually. So there's, there's lots of virtual whiteboards and other ways. Oh, I like virtual whiteboards. But having the visuals there, then you don't have to spend a lot of time explaining people in a look and in an instant know what you're talking about and that makes a difference but there's one of our clients we're working with right now they started implementing huddles a few months ago and they had a horrible problem with turnover in their offices and in every office where the huddles have started once they started the huddles no one there's been no staff turnover really and that that, that is yeah, really yeah. interesting yeah we even heard from some people who said they were ready to leave and once the huddle started and their manager, you know, they got they got a chance to speak at the huddle, and then their manager would follow up with them later in the day. They said, "Wow, it feels like somebody actually cares about me here," and that, I haven't ever felt that wow. before. One thing I got from what you were saying is about connection. Like, you know, they were about to leave, and it really took being seen and being recognized, recognized. Sorry, and um, wow, like I've been shocked. Maybe it's just lately, or maybe it's like where I'm at in my life. I've been shocked how many people are feeling disconnected from their community, from their job, even me. Like I moved across the country and I'm like, this is not as easy as I thought it would be. You know, um, it's sad. Like to me, that's sad that all it took for them to not want to quit their job was like a tiny bit of recognition. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's, you know, in the huddle, certainly there's recognition. I think the other things, and, and they may right. not have been as obvious to the people even experiencing them, is as you do this, the workload, you know, that work overload actually decreases some because there, the, there's less mess and confusion oh, in the day. Oh, that's a great point. Um, you gain some control because you had a problem and you get to actually help fix it. Um, you work, you come together as a team, so you're creating more community. It feels like it's, you know, it's more fair if you're being asked to do a job that's almost undoable, you've got some input into getting some control over it. And you can see the alignment and values as you measure, look at the metrics and we're trying to improve those. We can see, yeah, those are important to me and they're important to my patients and they're important to our organization. You don't always realize what's been changed when things are better. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. But it's hard for a whole team to come together and really get that started without some kind of external guidance and support and coaching or at least education about how to do that. Because um, it can sound very exciting and say, well, let's get everybody together, let's work on this. And obviously, you know, the first huddles that ever started, somehow that was how it was done um, and people figured it and refined it. But particularly as you're trying to do this in a way that's effective, one thing we don't want to do is waste time, particularly for the physicians who are already time stressed yeah. to start with. So. Uh, we want it, the more we can implement them effectively, the better. In fact, when we first started doing them, we did not insist that the physicians attend oh. um, because we were learning how to do the huddles effectively. We worked with the support staff, you know, receptionists, medical assistants, nurses. They came together and addressed their day, um, but we didn't insist the doctors come until we got it so it was really working effectively and efficiently um, because otherwise you, nothing will turn off a doctor faster than being forced to do something that they don't find value in because or it's anyone. not working. Can't before. imagine what you mean, Paul. Yeah. 
I've never seen that. <laughs> Take this piece of information and yeah. document it well, in 10 places. Must be a West Coast thing. They're like, you know, let's just try it. And I'll, I want to, yeah. actually, I don't want to copy and paste. Oh, I'm going to retype oh. it. I want to write it on paper and then write it again. It's, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> what would, what change would you like to see? Like if you saw someone new in the space, what would they be bringing? Yeah, I, what I'd like to see is leaders top-level leaders truly understand the challenges that the people on the front lines have. For a leader to go and observe and shadow and watch the clinician work and see all of the frustrations and challenges, um, then they can understand more, if they're asking for something, what the implications yeah. of that are. And they can better tie their decision-making about what really needs to happen uh, because they've experienced that. And that can do a lot to break down that disconnect and cynicism that's really strong. So oftentimes when I get done with one of my presentations, uh, people will ask, well, what's one thing we can do? You talked about all these things you can do with management systems and culture and you know, fancy you know, workflow uh, value stream map redesign. What can I do right. next week? And I say, I tell, if you're a leader, go shadow a clinician. And if you're a clinician, invite a leader to come shadow I love you. that. Great, so huddle and listen. Those are our two, our two things. From Watch and learn. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a great time today. I've learned, uh, Paul. So thank you for sharing your experiences with us. And Paul, how can people connect with you that are watching? So I have a website, uh, pauldechantmd.com. Uh, you just Google my name and you'll find all that. Uh, my email address is paul at pauldechantmd.com. So you can find me there as well. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, yeah. Look forward to any of those opportunities to connect with people. Great. Thank you for being part of our Sharp Conversations. And I hope everybody can subscribe and leave us comments about things that you've seen that are success. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.